Hi there. This is Eli Altman coming to you from Oakland, California. So what are we going to listen to? Uh, this is a four-part podcast miniseries based on my 2018 book, Run Studio Run. Uh, if you haven't heard of Run Studio Run, uh, I wrote it as a way to help people manage and grow their small creative studios. In addition to my own experience running 100 Monkeys, I interviewed studio leaders from Draplin Design Company, Moniker, Manual, Hey Studio, Commercial Type, and more about how they manage their studios and what they've learned. So for me, this is the next step for one-on-one -on -one interviews with interesting studio leaders from around the US about how they got to where they are and what they've picked up along the way. Okay, let's get into it. Is a scooter gang, is not a motorcycle gang. You know, and, and like just that like line helps you really go, okay, yeah, so they're kind of hardcore. They're really into what they do but they're like not going to kick your ass. That's the voice of scooter gang aficionado Fritz Messenbrink, who's partner and creative director at OMFG Co in Portland, Oregon. They're a creative firm that does everything from branding to design to interiors uh, for companies like Stumptown, Muji, Ace Hotel, Land's End, and many more. Um, Fritz and I talk about building a studio up from two people to around 16, um, talk about remote work, how they structure their internal teams and a whole lot more. Fritz and I met in Memphis when we were both speaking at creative works conference where, uh, we had a bunch of time to hang out and catch up and trade stories. I think one of the things. I really appreciate about Fritz and the work that they do at OMFG is that there's always a, a sense of, of sort of joy or enjoyment that you can easily feel off the work. It's fun. It makes you smile. And you know, I was really interested in speaking with them to sort of tease that out and figure out, you know, how they get there, you know, how they grew as a studio, how they partner with their clients. So without further ado, hope you enjoy my chat with Fritz Messenbrink from OMFG Co. Fritz, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, I think, so we met in Memphis, which is a little weird because neither of us are from there. Had, had you been there before? No, it was my first time. I uh... Me too. I remember we met at the sort of, we were speaking at creative works conference, right? Yep. And, uh, and we met at the sort of, you know, dinner the night before and you showed me like, a a copy you had of don't call it that, that was like completely worked through yeah. and beaten up with like post-its and dog ears. And it was like, you know, people you know, say they liked the book or they got a lot out of it. But for some reason, like seeing, seeing a fully abused book was like, uh, a greater compliment than, than, you know, words anybody could say. Yeah. That one definitely has, uh, made its rounds within the studio, you know, and I think, you know, I don't know how many people have had their hands on it at this point, but it's definitely, <laughs> uh, something we have everyone take a look at at some point in time when they join us just because, uh, yeah, when we first saw it, there were just so many things that we'd been usually we, we would end up feeling like we we're using all of those arguments to defend the name after uh presenting something yeah and this was the first time we'd seen it like as the setup or thought about it as a setup and that just kind of changed things for us where we started you know made a preamble and started putting all these things in like just a whole things to consider while naming uh <laughs> chapter before the actual names just to I don't know. You, you, you forget sometimes that your clients don't do this all the time and they're not thinking about these things in the same way that you are. So, uh, so it was really, yeah, really useful for us. And then, yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess I just think back on, I think back on Memphis fondly cause we like got a bunch of time to hang out and like walk around, go to some bars, eat some food. It was like, it was a really nice experience for, a to West coast people in the South. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean that combined with, uh, 
the civil rights museum there. And, and right now I've just been reflecting on that a lot. Yeah, totally. That was a, um, that was a heavy place. Yeah. And I think, you know, every time I, uh, hear a reference to Martin Luther King, uh, or even, uh, any civil rights stuff of that era. Uh, we like rewatched Selma recently and all that stuff just, uh, reminds me of that experience. So, uh, pretty amazing museum. Yeah. And so let's, uh, I guess let's rewind a little bit, take, take people back to the beginning. So, yeah. uh, tell me about your studio and, and what you do and when you get started. Yeah, I uh, run a studio called OMFGCO. Uh, long name is Official Manufacturing Company. Uh, we came up with just the most generic name we could so that we could take on pretty much anything. Um, didn't want our name to limit us in any way. And then, you know, as we started buying URLs, we quickly found that uh, Official Manufacturing Company shortened to Official MFGCO, which then shortened to OMFGCO. And then we laughed for quite a while. And then, uh, you know, eventually that's the name we ran with or the name we're known for most, most often. Um, yeah, we started 11 years ago, uh, and kind of fell into it just, uh, with like some mutual clients that came together to start a project. And, uh, Jeremy and I back then, uh, came together on this project and a week into it we were just having so much more fun working collaboratively together and like just found that all the ideas grew better faster when we were bouncing them back and forth uh and you know that's i think a big part of what we've tried to build into our studio and you know now we have uh 20 people um give or take i think it feels like we're kind of constantly around 19 or 20 and uh yeah, it's been been fun to watch it grow and to, I guess, help it grow uh, and be very uh, intentional in that as well. And in the beginning, I mean, you're talking about coming together for a project. Like, is that is that how it started? Like, how did you guys know each other? How did it begin? Yeah, Jay and I knew each other. Uh, we met at Widen Kennedy. Uh, I was there in the studio and he was in uh, the experimental ad school they had called 12. Mm hmm. And, uh, they did for their kind of graduation, they held this interagency boxing event and I had just joined and they sent out an email or just got a job at Wyden and they sent out an email that just said dark horse needed. And apparently someone had dropped out due to an injury or something. So I signed up to box and it was like against other ad agencies in Portland. There were just people that signed up randomly. And, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. I'm kind of a, I like the sink or swim, uh, opportunities where I was like, I'm either going to be famous for getting my ass kicked in front of the whole studio that I just joined, or it'll, it'll, everyone will know me because I, uh, you know, did this thing and it went, went in my favor. So anyway, I took, took that on and it went well. And I met Jeremy in that process. And then he, left, got a job at Ace Hotel. Uh, he was like their first internal hire for a designer art director and uh, was able to build like Portland, Palm Springs and uh, New York with them. And then we started uh, OMF Chico a few years later. Wait, so when you say it went well, like back to the boxing really, like, oh, yeah, that means yeah. that you kick someone's ass, right? Yeah, it was like, uh, it is the only time I've ever even been in a fight was you know, a sanctioned, <laughs> a sanctioned ABA, whatever boxing, uh, match. And, Same. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, I think I landed 88 punches and the other guy landed eight. They're keeping stats. Yeah. There were guys keeping stats and it was like wow. three, there was three one minute rounds. So it was super short, okay. but it felt exhausting. I was like, you know, I'd done sports my whole life, uh, like all through college and and a little bit after that and was just fascinated by how tired I could get in one minute. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, like my legs were jello and you wouldn't expect that uh, from <clears throat> just from watching boxing that your legs would be the most tired. Uh, 
And then, uh, yeah, it went, it went really well. I felt bad like halfway through cause I just punched the guy in the face every time I tried to, I had a lot of reach, uh, <laughs> uh a much longer reach than him. Uh, but he outweighed me by 20 pounds. I think Wow, <laughs> it was pretty funny. <clears throat> One that I was really yeah, nervous for beforehand, but you're a tall guy. Like you I like I'm six, two and you're a decent bit taller than me. If I remember correctly. Yeah. I'm six, five and I've got, yeah really long arms i think i should be six eight because my arms are are uh my wingspan is six eight well shit if this design stuff doesn't work out yeah right i got some got options I'll do something <laughs> so okay so then jeremy's working on ace hotel stuff and then how did like how did that how did you guys get back together like how did the studio start yeah so i was doing a bunch of work for Stumptown while i was at widen just kind of on the side um, redid the packaging and then started doing a bunch of different signage for them and postcards and collateral and all sorts of other things that ended up showing up in the ACE and then was helping him with like window signage and uh, all sorts of other things. And then they ended up moving to New York with ACE Hotel for the launch. And uh, I helped out with some stuff for ACE New York or the Stumptown in ACE New York. And so Jeremy and I kept having overlap on projects. And then I worked on Clyde Common, which is a restaurant inside of Ace in Portland. And just a, n- a number of things like that where we were like one degree apart, uh, saw each other a lot, but didn't ever work together. And then the people from Ace, some people from Ace and some people from Clyde uh, got together to open up uh, Olympic Provisions, which was a charcuterie. And we knew... Uh, collectively knew pretty much every one on the team uh, just through the jobs we'd done prior and asked them, Hey, can we take this job on together? And they said, yes. So like a week into that uh, we were just having so much fun working together that we thought we should do this all the time. And that was kind of the, the origin story. We, so we sat down and started a business, bought URLs, I guess that was the starting of the business. And then, uh, you know, got the legal stuff figured out a week or two later. And, uh, yeah, it was like 11 years ago now. And how long was it just the two of you? Uh, it was two of us for probably, let's see, maybe three or four months. We, then we got a studio with some other friends. We brought on a third partner, our friend Matthew, who was with us then for like two and a half years or three years. Um, and then, uh, you know, like we slowly grew up to about seven and then came back down to two or three at one point, And then we're up to four. And then we kind of stayed at that size for, I don't know, maybe uh, a year and a half. And then from there, we were very careful and calculated about how we grew. The first time we, you know, grew, added people, added people and had some jobs that fell through. And then suddenly we we're like, oh, man, we have to lay people off. This is terrible. So, yeah. Since then, we've been very, very careful about not having to do that. And luckily, we haven't had to. And like, I think that's something that a lot of people get really curious about. It's like studio size, but also like what that means and and kind of the ramifications of of growth. And like, so what like what did you figure out? How did you how do you plan for that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that we've always been very wary of growing too big just because we do like to be picky about the jobs we take on um and you know i think we the first time when we had to lay people off we realized you know like we i think we were basing basing our forecasting on jobs that we hadn't officially landed in the studio yet you know and like okay a lot of times it's you're always in this like gray area right before where it seems like it's gonna go and you're going to need people to work on this project. Uh, so in that case, we were like worried about how much work we were going to have. And, uh, but then like two jobs fell through at the same time and, uh, we ended up not having enough work for everybody and, uh, you know, had to downsize because of it. And, uh, since then we've just been just really careful about, uh, I think supporting the amount of people we have on the team and the work we take on and making sure, I mean, and I think, you know, as our studio has been bigger now, it's easier to flex, uh, or to feel like if we have like a little bit too much work, you know, we can knock it out a little quicker. 
uh, just having, uh, you know, seven people or four people, it's, uh, you feel the impact of a really big project, uh, you know, coming into the studio a lot more. And so you've been sort of, let's say like above 10 people for, for how long now? Um, probably seven years, maybe six years. And like, if you could characterize the difference between sort of being under that threshold and above, like, what does it feel like? Yeah. I mean, I think the most fun for me has been like just growing the studio more outside of ourselves. And it's like our capabilities get broader every time we bring someone in and the more we've grown the studio, the like more we were able to do. And the like, you know, we've never wanted to have a style per se. So we've always uh, just appreciated people with different ones that uh, kind of make our ability more broad or our abilities yeah. to like just execute in different ways. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think it's been a combination of things where like some of it's really cool just to see, uh, you know, different people in our studio grow and start to take on different things and feel a little less required on a lot of stuff, which is, you know, like at first you want to be really involved and uh, kind of hold on really tightly to everything. And uh, it becomes, starts to become more fun just to watch uh, people in the studio uh, do it without me, you know, or without us. It's just like nice to, to uh, yeah, have people, a team we trust and a team we believe in to do the work and, you know, just, yeah, it's been, I guess, a slow road to get there and one that's taken us a lot of uh, trial and error, I guess. But um, I think that's that's been my favorite part of it is just to continue to like grow broader and better uh, just with every person we add. That really hits home for me. I like I I feel the same way in that I feel so much better when I see that we can do a really good job on projects where I'm barely involved or not involved that people, you know, who came to the studio without any, you know, real experience running projects or, or sort of delivering big creative work, like stepping up to the plate and handling it to me, just, I get so much more satisfaction out of that at this point than doing it myself for the, you know, 500, a thousand, time or whatever yeah uh my partner and cfo evan uh he's always talking about you know like watching your kids play sports becomes like way more satisfying than <laughs> than actually playing the sports anymore as you get older you know it's like you feel so much more joy from that and i feel like it's very similar in the like coaching idea of uh just watching watching the team uh win feels like winning uh feels like you're you're doing it even if you're not necessarily uh, involved. We're just like little league parents. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very much, but like the nice supportive ones who yeah. don't yell at the umpires. Yes. We try to be <laughs> every once in a while. Someone calls us in to yell at the ump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like the interior piece of your business was like there from the beginning, right? I mean, yeah. if you're yeah. starting out talking about hotel stuff, yeah, I mean, we were always uh, kind of on the edge of it. Even with like Olympic provisions, we came in and started uh, concepting on art moments. And, you know, we made this meat sign that was like, we hand built this sign that said meat and the M blinked on and off. We just like loved the idea of broken signs. So, uh, so it yeah. said eat meat. Uh, and uh, we thought that was very funny and like made that. And then we're helping kind of concept some other interior elements, not doing the interior design at all. But then, uh, you know, like a couple, maybe a year and a half later, we were working on Spirit of 77 and that uh, bar, we ended up building pretty much everything inside of it, you know, from signage to a custom like Papa Shot basketball arcade and like all these different <laughs> things that were just kind of built from scratch. And, uh, you know, I think from there we learned that it probably wasn't the most cost effective for us to be building these things. And then uh you know took on a job with dunderdon which is a, a swedish workwear company that was opening a store in portland and that was the first time we designed a store but didn't uh build any of it uh so we just like you know made sketch up drawings that were 
probably pretty bad when I look back at them, at least as far <laughs> compared to what we're doing now, uh, and handed those off to a fabricator who's actually one of our one of the members on our interior design team now, which is pretty funny. Uh, and you know, like they kind of just kept evolving from there until uh, probably five years ago, we got a job uh, <clears throat> at a hotel we were helping with branding and the interior designer kind of dropped out on that and they asked us to do it. And we were like, yeah, sure. We could do that. <laughs> so, uh, so then we, you know, kind of, I feel like we got our masters in interior design just by uh, having to pull too many all nighters and figure that one out on the fly. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So we learned a ton, uh, learned a lot about all the things we didn't know. And then have since grown a really solid team, uh, to help us with that. So now we've just, yeah, I mean, I, I, you probably will get sick of hearing me talk about our team on this, uh, call, but I'm like, uh, I just can't stop raving about them right now just because we, they're super talented, really like even through this pandemic have been just so understanding, you know, and I think, uh, it's just hard to sing their praises enough. Yeah. Talk about that transition a little bit. Cause I mean, I imagine you guys are, are working from home now. Yeah. So luckily, uh, June of, let's see, 2018, we started a flex work program, uh, where we were doing flex days, Tuesday and Thursday of every week where people could work from wherever, uh, had flexible hours, you know, we were just like, if you have any errands you need to run, appointments you need to do, whatever it is, do them on Tuesday and Thursday. So, you know, most of our in-person meetings were just happening Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And, Mm -hmm. uh, luckily like through that, we've, you know, put a bunch of systems in place for remote work and for, uh, asynchronous work to happen. And, uh, that really set us up to be able to, transition really quickly into full remote work uh you know we just basically said on march 1st hey everybody uh we're gonna go full remote uh don't come into the studio uh we'll just work from home for the time being or work remotely and honestly it was like a really easy transition for us as far as the just the logistic logistical pieces of it um everyone had already been doing it and uh, was familiar and we had all the things to, to do it. So, so that part of it was really easy. Um, Just like the day to day piece. Um, You know, I think the harder part is just not having that in-person creative energy and interaction that we normally get. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. The other part would just be like, predictability and forecasting of our like new business flow and cash flow and all these other things. But from the beginning, we've just been super transparent and open with our team and told them, you know, like we don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, we brought everyone, everyone's salaries down to 80%. Uh, we took a full salary cut for, uh, I don't know how many months, three months. Uh, and, and, and by the time this, airs we will have gone back to full salaries which is really exciting but you know we've just been kind of uh consistently checking in with our team and trying to be open and honest with them just about where we stand you know because otherwise everyone fills fills that void with uh the worst case scenario usually totally so so it's been good i mean everyone on our team i mean even when we told people we were going down to 80 percent they were thankful that we were communicating it and also that we were we wanted to keep everyone on staff through this, you know, and we didn't want to have to lay anyone off and we wanted everyone to have health insurance and not have to go on Cobra and whatever else. So, so yeah, we just committed to that upfront and luckily uh, we've had more projects come in. We've also got a PPP loan. We've had like a number of those things that have just like helped us to keep everyone on, on and keep the studio running pretty, pretty seamlessly for the most part. You're still paying rent? Yeah, we are still paying rent. Uh, we haven't been to the studio uh, really at all. I've been in there a couple times to change out our windows, and uh, that's about it. Uh, so <laughs> We had been doing work from home sometimes before this happened. Yep. So like that transition felt 
fairly seamless. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're not like dropping the ball or, you know, screwing up projects or anything like that. Like that worked like to me, the part, you know, this idea of like being able to bounce ideas off one another, being in a creative space together, like these types of elements, like, is it just, do we just write those things off in this environment? Like, I hope we figure that shit out later or like, are there ways to get some of that? I mean, I know it it won't be the same, but like, are there, are there ways to still kind of, um, you know, do creative work together? That's not like a zoom meeting. Yeah. The not a zoom meeting of it feels hard right now. I mean, yeah, we have, I mean, we, we work a ton in like paper docs and Google docs where, you know, like you're writing and contributing in that way. We're on Slack and then we're also having a lot of zoom meetings. So yeah, I mean, I've, I found like, I don't know, for me, it seems like part of it is like not talking about work on some of the zoom meetings, just talking about what we did this weekend or, uh, about current events or about whatever else everyone's feeling, uh, yeah the the like allowing everyone to be more human type of uh, moments are uh, those ones feel like the best thing we can do right now. Uh, you know, we started by doing some Zoom happy hours and other things like that. And then it was just very quickly like not another Zoom meeting. I mean, I love the structure of going to work uh, and just Same. having uh, peers around me. Uh, and I'm yeah, so I struggled pretty hard at the beginning of this of just like uh, just finding focus uh, because uh, that, that part of it's not always easy for me. Yeah. I was talking to um, Patricia Calloway from Manual Creative earlier today just about like maybe, you know, doing kind of smaller get-togethers in like parks at a distance mm -hmm. just to kind of see what that like that level of human contact feels like i mean i know that's things i'm doing with like friends and family and, yeah. and stuff but maybe you know maybe there's something to to doing that for work too i mean it sounds a lot better than a zoom meeting yeah to me, yeah we've but had I don't, a few, I, you know yeah we've had a, a few of our teams do that recently where like the interior design team got together in uh somebody's backyard and uh you know i think a bunch of folks from our team met at a park uh with their dogs and you know like we've been they've been doing a lot of stuff like that trying to figure out uh other opportunities to even see each other which is really nice yeah uh, aside from those like more intimate backyard hangs i think we've all been having or trying to have if we have have the opportunity to i wonder as a sort of <laughs> that you have this interior practice like we've we've been talking about like well what would an outdoor office look like you know things things like that where yeah i, I just I, part of me is just wondering like what what an office looks like a year from now you know yeah totally i mean i outdoor office sounds pretty nice right about now uh yeah. i mean i think that's the space everyone feels the most comfortable in uh with the, with any other people around that you're maybe less familiar with where they've totally. been so it's like yeah i i love the thought of that uh or just thinking about how your spaces can flex or you can open up all the doors uh, the all the buildings with garage doors that felt like a trend uh, mm -hmm. feel really nice right now and uh that outside in uh or could, like the kind of blurred line there is really uh beneficial i think for those businesses yeah yeah, we used to we used to have an office with a big. Well, I mean, it used to be like an auto repair shop. Uh, I feel like that would be that would be really nice right about now. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, so let's like fast forward in the the story a little bit. I'm yeah. curious, like, so we've talked about the interior side of the business, and then you also have this the brand side of the business. Is that what you call it? Yeah, we have. <clears throat> We have two branding teams and one interior design team. Okay. Uh, and each of the teams just to kind of take on pro projects. Um, and usually at, we, you know, we split up into teams because before that we were 
finding that we would get late in a project and sometimes lack the thread of continuity of like someone who'd even been on the project the whole time. Yeah. Just because, you know, like based on resources, people were going here and there and, uh, and it just made it hard to, hard to even like guess, uh, our bandwidth or like forecast our bandwidth, uh, and just figure out, you know, like how busy anyone was. Uh, when, when, you know, some people were bouncing back and forth on a, several different projects, you know, I think we, it was in the era that we read Scrum and then started looking at uh, Agile and we're just looking at a whole bunch of different ways of trying to streamline our process. But I think the main thing we took out of that was just the idea of context switching and how much of our focus and time is wasted switching contexts when we're working on lots of projects at once. Um, you know, just like getting up to speed again on something takes a lot of effort and a lot of headspace. Uh, so I think switching to teams, a big, big part of that was trying to limit the amount of projects anyone was on and then limit the amount of projects anyone worked on in a day uh, beyond that. Well, yeah. And so I'm curious how you arrived at that structure, like, and, and, and also what makes up a team, like how many components? Yeah. So in looking for like that thread of continuity, we just decided like, if, man, if we had teams on each of these projects, it would, you know, we'd have at least someone who had, who knew what was going on from the A to B, you know, the start to finish, uh, A to Z maybe, I guess. And so that, that part of it, I think, felt clear to us, you know, and then we slowly started to try to figure out what those teams would entail. Each team has a, a producer, which is, you know, our project manager slash account manager. Um, and the producer on that team, uh, you know, becomes a pretty critical component of just like knowing what they're taking on and how much to do and communication with the client and other pieces like that, as well as in the new business process. Uh, and then, uh, we got to a point where every team had an art director, every team had a senior designer and a designer. Uh, and you know, so now I think we have one team, one team that has, uh, two designers, a senior designer and an art director. And that's kind of the structure for the brand teams. Um, right now, so they're sort of four or five person. Yep. Yeah, teams. I think it's a five, four and a five person team. And right now we're, you know, currently going through a bit of a transition where we're, you know, moving those art directors up to ACDs. They're going to be associate creative directors and also like maybe start to take on a little bit more of the new business piece of that. Maybe start to work a little bit closer on reviewing their, their uh, team members. And we're just kind of... Uh, yeah, trying to figure out how to give the teams a little more autonomy. And how many projects can you give to a, a team? It's a good question. Uh, should How many should we give to a team or how many can we? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been times where we, I mean, I think right now we probably have five active projects per brand team okay. uh, of varying scales uh you know some of them are really big and have a lot of different layers and some of them are kind of more simple uh singularly focused jobs um you know and i think we've probably had as many as 10 on a team before and there's times where we uh, have a few too many going on but we're always trying to trying to find a good balance you know we we really try to try to maintain a really healthy work-life balance uh, and try to keep people from working late whenever we can. Uh, every once in a yeah. while we find ourselves up against the deadline and trying to, trying to uh, crank something out and have to work a little more. But, you know, I think we want to offer that as a, one of the, one of the benefits of working at OMFG Co is that you don't have to, you can still have like a personal life. You don't have to work all the time, you know, like coming from Wyden, Man, yeah, I, we worked like crazy there. There was so many times you worked till three a.m. and then got up and came to work the next day at nine. You know, and it was just like, uh, well, it felt fun. I think at the time uh, when I left there, I felt like I'd just given up so much of myself uh, in that, uh, just because you're kind of just get caught up in the 
the grind and stop thinking about your own personal needs even. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we have a very similar type of approach where like we don't work late. We don't pull all nighters. Yeah. I, and I don't, you know, you can sell it from the, the sort of, you know, work-life balance perspective. And I think that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense and is like very valuable, but then there's also the piece where like, I, I don't honestly think it generates better creative work to do that. Um, maybe every once in a while it does, but like if, if you have people who are sort of consistently sleep deprived and don't feel like they get to spend enough time with their family and friends, like, I don't think that's a net positive for your business. No, not at all. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, even, I mean, working late, pull it, pulling all nighters, any of that stuff, there's definitely like a point of diminishing returns too, where yeah. you work for five hours and you get like 30 minutes of, of awake work done. Right. <laughs> or just like the alert work that you could do during the day where, I mean, there's, we did, man, we pulled a bunch of all nighters for working on the lay low uh mostly on the interior design team we have pretty much only on the interior design team, just because we were trying to figure it out and we were kind of uh trying to will it to be good uh i think you know and i think in 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 doing so we definitely have reflected a lot on that and just thought about how not to be there again you know i mean i think that i i like that idea that you know if if you're working late or work working too much i think you know it's kind of usually about not planning correctly or communicating correctly leading up to that yeah uh you know and we really try to try to keep ourselves from being in those situations i agree i mean i think the the communication piece around that is really important and and also just the sort of expectation setting i mean there's sort of situations where it feels like people are doing that because they feel like their clients demand it um but that just doesn't really feel like a fair relationship. Oh, totally. To me. Yeah. And so much of that's just about, yeah, establishing boundaries and right. uh, communicating them and managing expectations and all these things that uh, work really well when you're doing them uh, consistently, uh, you know, because uh, it turns out all of our clients are human uh, as mm -hmm. well. And, uh, we, you know, usually when we're communicating consistently with them, we, we, we do just fine. Yeah. It's just that kind of that setting expectation piece where if like yeah. you're, if you're responding to emails at 8 PM or 2 AM or whatever, then that's the expectation you've set. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, then they'll just come to not expect that from you. And it's not going to be that nobody's going to fire you because you didn't respond to an email at two in the morning. And if they do, then great. <laughs> you probably shouldn't be working with them anyway. <laughs> Um, but you know, that, that ends up being like the end all be all really turns you into this commodity, um, where it's like, is that commodity available at that time versus, you know, judge me on the work. And if we can do the work within normal business hours and like give people a life, then that seems better for everybody. Yeah. We had, we had a phase, uh, probably like seven years ago where we, there were just four of us in the studio and we, we were basically we did four day work weeks for about a year where we took every Friday off and we basically split our days into halves and would spend half the day working on one thing and half the day working on the other thing. And that was like mm. probably the simplest our studio ever ran. It was pretty awesome uh, having the three day weekend every week. Uh, yeah, we've talked about it uh, many times since then. Uh, but haven't figured out really how to do that without, you know, moving into four tens or some other thing like that, that feels not as balanced, you know? So now, yeah. now I think we're just looking for ways with, even within the week, like Friday morning, every Friday morning, we have a, uh, kind of Friday time with our studio that usually we would sit at the main center Island in our, in our office and, and, you know, come together and either do show and tell everybody shows work that we're working on. Uh, Cause you know, not all the teams see everything that the other teams are working on. So mm -hmm. uh, that's always a nice opportunity for shared learning and just to get feedback from the rest of the team. And then 
you know, some days we do stickies, which is, you know, everybody writes like any kind of thought they have around the studio or around our process or around anything and put them on a sticky and then we put them all up and then kind of go through them all one by one and just talk about things as a team. Um, and then we have, you know, like morning questions where we're just asking uh, some question, everyone answers it on a paper and puts it in a bowl and then we pass them around and everyone reads someone else's answer uh, kind of anonymously. Uh, and but usually the more uh i think the longer we work together the more we know whose answer is which uh, <laughs> totally which is but that part's also fun uh and then yeah i mean i think we're looking always looking for ways to you know do uh, like have have people come in and we can you know learn about oh man all sorts of stuff race gender uh strategy i mean just things that like seem relevant for our studio and can help us grow as people um so that's cool so you have you have kind of like guest guest speakers or that type of thing yeah yeah and we were doing that pretty regularly at least once a month we were bringing in an outside speaker to come into the studio um for i don't know maybe a year or two and then uh since since COVID, we haven't been doing as much of that. We've had a few activities uh, like that, uh, but we're, I think we're looking to try to add some more of those in. Trying to find that balance of like uh, giving people their time back instead of, uh, which sometimes is more beneficial right now than having another call. Right. So just working through it. Yeah, we have that same kind of Friday morning thing. I don't know how, uh, <laughs> like, what's special about that time, but it just feels like a really good time to do studio activities or to check in with everybody. Uh, yeah, what do y'all do? So we um, <laughs> we have a meeting that we call Friday Fun Day um, because, I don't know, maybe naming people get tired of good names and have to enjoy some bad ones every once in a while uh and that's just kind of that's pretty pretty much a checklist um where we're just sort of going through all of our active projects um new business um you know end of project stuff um and and then there's one piece at the end where we all just have something that we want to share with the team um and then, so we, we keep doing that. Like we still do that now. And then the thing we used to do afterwards, which is a little harder now, we had, um, we call naming games, which is like a rotating thing where somebody leads the team on like a creative naming or writing exercise. Um, and, uh, that could be anything from, you know, writing the what we think the first line is to a you know 70s pulp sci-fi novel to you know coming up with taglines for the worst reviewed products on amazon you know it's just like yeah. just kind of fun little you know little naming and writing yeah, exercises great. yeah i think um, those writing exercises are a lot of fun and we, you know we've always encouraged our designers to become strategists and our and to also uh write copy whenever we can just because i don't know we we find that we get really interesting copy because of that yeah. you know and it's like uh less a little bit less uh standard right and so the the writing on your teams gets done by strategists or how does how does that work basically basically everyone on our brand teams especially uh we have we do all the all the strategy within the team, uh, you know, so the creative director will help out, uh, on that, in that process, usually quite a bit, but it's, uh, yeah, I think that whole research phase up front, we start with like a research and positioning phase and just kind of find every piece of information that we can, uh, try to scrape it all together and then formulate some opinions based on that. And all of that writing and all that work is just done internally with our design team. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we kind of have all of our, designers and uh i guess more graphic design background folks uh doing all the writing uh and strategy work as well and you know typically when we're hiring we're looking for people who 
uh, already or thinking about the work that way. That's, I think, something that we just did naturally when we started. We were always looking for meaning in the work and trying to, I don't know, actually be solving for something rather than just making it look cool, uh, which just what didn't ever seem as interesting. Um, Yeah. So, um, so much of our work is just based in uh, trying to find a reason why and then, uh, you know, build a really solid brand framework and hold everything we do up against that. So we're not just uh, basing it on our opinions or our clients' opinions and trying to kind of take it outside of all of us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really, I think it's anything you can do to like take the focus off of the people involved feels really useful. Um, I mean, I know it's that way for naming and writing. I imagine it's that way for design where it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so subjective and it's very easy for people to take the subjective and make it personally subjective. Um, as opposed to, what it means to your audience, to people you want to be interacting with, the types of relationships you want to be having with people. Um, you know, we just have, we have this thing called like, is this a you thing or an everybody thing? <laughs> um, which I know we didn't invent, but like yeah. applying it to, yeah. you know, to branding or it's like, you know, okay, like, is that a, like, do you think your audience cares that that was your second grade teacher's last name? Um, exactly. You know, but sometimes people yeah. have a really hard time stepping outside of that. Yeah, Totally. Uh, I, I mean, we had a project where we were, I mean, it was that hotel in Hawaii, the Lalo and our client said, uh, oh, I don't like s- furniture with skinny legs. You know, it's uh. like, well, we're making like a mid century modern inspired, <laughs> like meets present day Hawaiian charm. Like that's like a big part of that vernacular yeah. for mid century modern design was, was like what wire bases and see more, more skinny legged, uh, things, you know? So like eventually it came out that it like his grandma had all mid-century modern furniture and I don't know if the furniture broke or whatever it was, but for some reason he didn't like it, you know, and, uh, you know, eventually we got beyond that, but those are the things that like those deep seated, uh, memory, whatever associations, uh, connotations that we're always fighting against, you know, and that's like, I think very early on in our studio, uh, or in the, in OMF Chico, we realized, you know, if we didn't put all that, those parameters, uh, in place up front or get all the language out up front, make, make, uh, this thing a really clear, uh, idea that we could both agree on, then we, yeah. would, basically we wasted the first round, at least of every project, sometimes two rounds, you know, doing design that was wrong and it just wasn't fun. You know, it's like, uh, I, it's not fun to deliver like a, you know, I mean, back then we were probably delivering 12 logos right? Uh, and then they'd be like, I don't know, none of these are them, you know? And you're like, Oh shit. Like we just wasted so much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're like, well, but we got further, we got some more information out of them. Uh, and you know, that got us to change what we, you know, now, now we, you know, spend a lot more time just establishing that brand framework up front, getting everyone to agree on really clear and simple, concise language, uh, you know, even going down like an is, is not list and trying to figure out really how to find the line, you know, like it is, uh, for Stumptown we had is a scooter gang is not a motorcycle gang, you know, and, <laughs> and like just that, like line helps you really go like, okay yeah so they're kind of hardcore they're really into what they do but they're like not going to kick your ass over it uh and there's just like some kind of uh balance to be stricken there which is always fun uh yeah so it's it's metaphor too oh yeah totally right. and it's like just the thing if we can say it in enough ways it's going to click for everyone involved you know uh and that's like fine we find for like internal teams when you're briefing them on the brand uh, that list helps so much. Yeah, that's great. I like that is is not list or is isn't. How do you... Yeah, is is not. We just call it is is not. And it's like, I think we got that from, uh, we were doing a branding project for Land's End uh, Canvas, which was a like a sub brand they had for a younger audience. Uh, and uh, the, I think the president, uh, you know, had come from Urban and had done, done I think he'd like relaunched penguin Munsingware and a few other things like that. And he, he had, he was like, you got to do an is, is not list. And we'd never done it before. And this is, you know, whatever, eight 
years ago. <laughs> and yeah. so we like kind of struggled through the first one. And then from then on, I've done it with pretty much everything just because we found it to be so useful. And the whole idea is that you make sure that both the traits on both sides are desirable traits for a brand, you know, so you don't want to be like, is cool, not shitty. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's like, yeah. you know, trying to find that, that line of, you know, is, you know, witty, but not silly or whatever kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, just, just that I think it's kind of like edge finding or what I think Seth Godin would call it edge finding. Uh, you just like push it and try to figure out where, where those edges are. Yeah. Right. Without the sort of being, uh, authentic or real or fun or approachable or sort of all those things that anybody would always want to be. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, we've, we've also been very sensitive in like, we come up with five, five keywords for pretty much every brand we develop. And in that process, you know, we're also trying not to, not to pick uh the ones that everyone would say uh yeah. are the ones that are in like a kind of hot buzzword <laughs> marketing buzzwords yeah. and authentic being very much one of those um <clears throat> trustworthy yeah i know it's like we've uh, all become so sensitive to so many of those words based in uh just hearing them over and over and over uh to the point that they become kind of meaningless yeah we actually have a blacklist um of words for brand can... yeah for brand language like yeah. words you just can't use in brand language yeah. um you know i hate that it had to come to that because yeah. you know all words all words convey something but when the main thing they're conveying is uh you know trying cliche i think you gotta move somewhere else yeah i know and it's like there's words like thoughtful and considered that you know we were like well that's like any brand we work on is going to be that so yeah. should we include that you know uh I don't know. Still on, right. on the fence on some of those, but I do. It's like you want it to be, of course, but also uh, for the right reasons. So let's like look forward a little bit before we wrap things up. I'm kind of curious what, you know, the next couple of years feels like to you. I know that's a tough question sort of given current situations, mm-hmm. but like moving moving past that, if that's even possible, <clears throat> where, where, where do you want to go? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, the next couple of years, I feel still have to get out of the next couple of months. Uh, yeah, <laughs> survive. I, yeah, sur- survive the next couple of months. And then, um, <laughs> you know, I think, um, yeah, continuing to <clears throat> get more autonomy on our teams, I think, outs- outside of even my involvement. You know, I, I, I have been trying to be clear about that with our teams and make sure, like, uh, when I, when I come in, it's helpful. <laughs> yeah. And, right. And I, you know, I think we want to continue to, to just grow better as a company and as a studio, uh, you know, aside from just doing the work, just making sure that we are more equitable and inclusive in the things we're doing. You know, I mean, Portland is a very, very white town. Yeah. We've, all, we've always tried to be really open in our recruiting efforts, but haven't gone out of Portland enough, you know, and that's where uh, I'm excited to change the way we're doing that and to really try to bring people in from outside of Portland and uh, just to get better representation and more diversity on our team. Uh, yeah, that's a really exciting uh, next step or future for us. Um, trying to think of what else is exciting. Um, I mean, I think we'll continue to grow uh, our interior design business uh, and just really figuring out how best to get our brand and interior design teams uh, communicating and working together on these projects, because, uh, you know, I think that's where our strength lies and our differentiation as a studio is just having that brand and interior component together right. um, is uh, like a lot of fun. And we are able to do just really great, artwork and have like really subtle uh brand ties and things that aren't as overt or heavy-handed uh and that that part of it is really fun and uh exciting i think we're getting better at that uh by the week uh and just continuing to figure out how to how to weave those things together awesome so three quick quick questions for you before i let you go yeah if you had to recommend one business book what would it be Hmm. Well, 
Oh man, business books challenging. Uh, I mean, one that was awesome for us, uh, Evan, our CFO and partner brought this one to us was the advantage, which, uh, I don't love the name or the, uh, cover of the book, uh, but <laughs> it was super helpful. We, we went through a whole process, this, the, the process in the advantage, uh, for ourselves, which was, you know, defining, uh, you know, our reason to exist as a company, all of our core values, aspirational values, kind of the, how will we succeed? You go through this whole process. And again, that one's like very, uh, wary of marketing speak and forces you to really, uh, use clear language. And, uh, the process for us was like something very much like what we do for our clients. Um, yeah. And now we've used that process for our clients as well. But like as a for our company, uh, man, just defining our core values and uh, and our reason to exist and those other pieces have helped us so much in hiring and and in uh, the way that we approach certain projects. Uh, I think like the way it, it changed our hiring process has been probably the most beneficial because mm-hmm. uh I mean, that's how we have such a great team right now and how uh, we're able to, I don't know, we just don't have a lot of drama in the studio. Yeah. Uh, everybody's, everybody gets along pretty well and it's just a, a lot, a lot more fun. What, uh, what tools are you most reliant on? Oh man, uh, Zoom uh, right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in that sense, uh, yeah, we use I mean, Dropbox and Dropbox paper, we use a ton of, uh, Slack is, uh, pretty critical for us. Um, and then, man, what else? Uh, we have Asana, which is a pretty great tool for us as well, just for organizing things and for, uh, assigning tasks to people and really trying to like, uh, allow for, everyone to work a little bit more autonomously. Yeah. And last one, is there anybody that you sort of look up to or model yourself on in terms of just what they've accomplished with, you know, with their business, with their studio? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wish I had a, an answer on that one that was very specific because <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, we're always looking at the way a lot of people are doing things, but I can't think of anyone in particular on that note. I'm gonna, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I mean, maybe, yeah, it's like, maybe I, not having that model is helpful. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm always like uh, thinking I should have a more specific mentor or something like that. Uh, just to, just to not (laughs) keep learning everything the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) I've joked about like how many times we've paid the idiot tax over the years of just not knowing and, oh man, next time we're going to have to write that into the contract or whatever other thing like that. You know, we learn, we've learned a lot of things the hard way, but we've also learned them, uh, because of that. So, um, that's a really interesting point that like your contract is essentially like a reflection of all the mistakes you've had to learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You can like figure that out about any company by looking at their contract. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or the huh. mistakes they've collectively learned. You know, I think if you yeah, have yeah. people come in from other places, they're like instantly have this thing about the, the way that someone else did it. That was really way better than what we were doing, you know? So, uh, totally. kind of fascinated by some of those things that are right there, but you don't see them until you see them. All right, Fritz. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking, man. I, I really appreciate it. Always enjoy speaking with you. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we'll have to catch up sometime when, uh, this whole thing is, uh, behind us. Who knows when that is. That'd be awesome. I would love that. <laughs>